Welcome back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. That you're listening to. Right now. That's Jess over there. That's Alex over there. We are in our scarf kingdom over here we with are, all our scarves. Yeah, we're trying to reduce uh, background noises. Yeah. Uh, you should see our setup. It's... Scarf-tastic. Scarf-tastic. Yes. <laughs> we are... We're almost to spooky season. I, you know what? September... It's like pre-spooky season, so it is spooky season. Yeah. No, I think I'm going to pull some nonsense that I just read about recently. Okay. The Harvest Moon, I've only known as a video game. Oh, okay. But like I was reading an article about the actual Harvest Moon and why it's the Harvest Moon and how it's like almost it's the full moon before the autumnal equinox. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... It is hella bright. I texted you about it this weekend. Yeah, so I was and, like, that moon though. And I had just seen it actually the night before and it was like super orange actually the night before. Oh, really? When it was coming up. It was it was like while it was kind of rising, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I was in the car or else I would have definitely taken a picture. But then, yeah, the the night after you texted me, I looked, I went outside and was just like staring at the moon in my Saturn backyard. Saturn and Jupiter were visible too. I didn't notice that. I think I saw Jupiter. Okay. Like, because... I, I love seeing a planet. I have an app on my phone that will show you. me where the planets are. Yeah. Well, all the stars, actually. And I, Stargazer or something like that. I always, so I have one on no, like an skylight. early phone. Like, I remember like downloading those apps on like back when I had an iPhone, which I'm sure some listeners just clutched their pearls at the idea of me having an iPhone because I shit on them so much. <laughs> but I, at one point, I did have an iPhone. I had two iPhones and I switched to Android. I've been in, well, I had Samsung in the beginning, but I have iPhones. Yeah. No, I don't know how many now? For sure. Like, uh, I was just thinking about it, too. Actually, I was thinking about this when I was driving over here, because, like, I don't know why. Just, like, the number of phones I've connected to this car. hmm Because I have to change the label every time, so it can't just be, like, phone. So I have to come up with, like, a new label every time. Oh, yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, I definitely started this car with an iPhone, which is weird to think that I had this car this long. Yeah. I guess, yeah, 10 years. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think our cars are almost similar age. We've We've talked about that before. Yeah. I just... I don't know. I believe in keep a car until you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I always say that my car is the best feature and that it's paid for. <laughs> like I will drive yeah. it till it dies. Mm-hmm. Knock on wood lightly. So it doesn't interrupt the recording. <laughs> but yeah, Harvest Moon was beautiful. But it's like gorgeous. it also signifies that it's going to really start dropping off in temperature here. Yeah, I was going to say, I know I it's I a love. big temperature change. Well, it's because it's basically the end of harvest season. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, I guess like the harvest moon, they're like, it's so bright you could harvest in the moonlight. Oh, okay. it's cooler and like, not yeah. as, yeah. Yeah. So. Now, these are my favorite. Uh, this time of year is just glorious and beautiful. It's interesting because oh, like it can still be warm. Yeah. For oh, sure. no, definitely. But like we've had some cool days and, you know, there's a nice mixture, but it's like perfect sitting on the porch mm-hmm. kind of weather. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited to do some bonfires. Yes, I need to have one soon because I just like every time I found like a branch in my driveway or like just things that need to be burned, I've just been stacking them on top of mm-hmm. my fire pit and it's overflowing. So I need to do something about it. I need to burn it. I just bought firewood at the store the other day. Nice. <laughs> just because I was like, I want to be prepared. I want to have people over. But then I keep forgetting to actually invite people over. It's hard. So. It's I, I've realized in this post-COVID world, I not post-COVID because it's still here, but like yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Post-pandemic, 
I don't know. I feel like I was much more willing before the pandemic to just have like impromptu yeah. throwdowns. Like, come on over. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. I've been like less. Let me have people over all the time. Mm-hmm. For me, I think that part of it is, and this is something I'm trying to work on a little bit, is I just figure nobody wants to come over. <laughs> I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't really like that before but Mm -hmm. i'm like why would anybody want to come over why would they it's the weirdest thing because i'm not i don't know it's like i'm just like "Mm, i don't want to bother people yeah i get that i get that i get that way sometimes too yeah as a kid i think i was like a little bit more like that same where i was just like oh people don't like me or whatever yeah and uh now we're turning into therapy but yeah (laughs) but for some reason like post everything and it's interesting because at first, I think I was doing during when we weren't going in people's houses, I was doing a good job of like making outside plans with, it, you know, and like all that yeah. kind of stuff and trying to make an active effort to see people. And then for some reason, like now I'm shit at it. Basically, we are also busy a lot of the, like we do a lot of things. So sometimes it gets to that time mm-hmm. and it's like I couldn't possibly do anything. I need to start reaching out to people and being a little bit more proactive about it because I love the people I know. Yeah. I know amazing people and I haven't seen most of them in far too long. Yeah. I mean, pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or just, you know, doing the fun things versus the project things too. You know, yeah. we, t- we, you and I talk about that all the time. Oh yeah. I love doing this with you. Yeah. But I also love hanging out with you. You're my friend. Right. <laughs> it is nice. Like when we can hang out and there's not like a task. Yeah. Or like an objective. Yeah. Agreed. But I do enjoy doing this with you exactly. as well. Exactly. Like it's not complaining about this or anything. It's just, right. I want the other, you know, the carefree things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And this therapy session is over. Uh, yes. And luckily, uh, it's all getting billed to insurance. No, I'm just kidding. That doesn't happen. <laughs> well, outside of therapy time, mm-hmm. I finally got my oven fixed. <gasps> just in time for fall baking. Exactly. I was like thinking about it. Cause, like It's been out of commission since like early June. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a minute. And like... The first month and a half, two months, I was like, I could probably fix it myself. I've got Google. But then every time push came to shove, I'm like, hmm, I just like I just have to pull it away from the wall and then take it apart. And like every time I thought about doing that, like, "Mm, no. And so then like finally in August, I'm like, bitch, just call someone. Just call someone and get it done. Get it over. And like, Mm -hmm. luckily, they had the part they needed. They fixed it the same day. Perfect. Cost a little more than I wanted it to, but it always does. Sometimes it's worth paying extra for yourself. You know what I mean? Like that was right. treating yourself in a certain way too. If it's something that you can easily just like whatever. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead and do it yourself. But there's experts out there for a reason. Yeah. And they're going to do it more efficiently. Yeah. And you don't have to worry. You know what I mean? Like. No, you for don't... sure. So like I feel good about getting it fixed mm-hmm. because the repairman made a good point of like appliances these, these days, but there is something kind of with appliances these days that are kind of like they're good for a couple of years. And when they die, there's no fixing them because the companies don't make parts, especially like you said, Samsung is kind of a big offender of this where it's like 
they don't support the machines beyond making them pretty much. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. And so like my oven's a frigidaire and he's like, they're pretty good. There'll be parts for this for years kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I think it's worth it to get it fixed then. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes plus, sense. Plus I like this oven. I know all its quirks already. <laughs> Yeah. I've already made biscotti. I made biscotti the well, same day I got go. it fixed. Oh. Yeah. Inaugural. Uh, yeah. Bake. <laughs> yes. It's been delicious. And I just was like, oh, I can't believe I haven't baked since like May. Well, I'm excited you're baking again because you, you, will you see bake some well. goods. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just like so happy it's fixed. Again, it's like fall. So like I love like a Dutch oven meal in the oven mm-hmm. or like. You know, there's more than just baking in an oven. So Oh, for sure. No, I I use my oven not all the time or anything, but yeah, it makes things easier and yeah. It can make some really delicious things. And it's just like cozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stovetop can do a lot too, but it can't do everything. Yeah. hmm And microwaves, they don't make things the best. They're for speed. Yeah, there's like very few things that if there's an option between like microwave and like toaster oven or oven, even if it takes longer, I'm always like oven or toaster oven. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. There's yeah. very few things that actually taste better in the microwave. Oh, I would and I'm agree struggling that, to yeah. think of any at this moment. I can't. Yeah. There's some that don't taste different, I guess, but that would be about it. Right. Popcorn, I guess. Popcorn's like That's what I use true. the microwave for. The most. I always burn it if I do stove. I did find a caramel corn recipe that didn't require the oven because I was like, I need something sweet right now. What <laughs> can I cobble together? And I was uh-huh. like, caramel corn. Uh huh. And that's delicious. You'll have to send it to me. It's it's great. Okay. I've like made this recipe twice now, mm-hmm. and I feel like caramel can go awry really quickly. And both yeah. times it's turned out perfect. Okay. Just because the way like what's in the caramel, I mm-hmm. think corn syrup in the caramel helps. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, one time I made caramel with sweetened condensed milk, but it was like. I think you leave it in the can and you just put like, I think a water bath around it and cook in the oven. Interesting. And it made the most perfect caramel drizzle. Huh. I mean, I guess it makes sense because yeah. like sweetened condensed milk, like mm-hmm. can't go wrong with that. No. Well, I'm trying to think of a way to do a transition. So it's time for a transition. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to bring the story to you because I, I've definitely never heard of it. It's, You'll know when, but there is some alignment with a topic we've discussed before. Okay. I'm interested now. Well, I was interested before, but now I'm extra interested. I'm interested in the specific connection now. Yeah. So I have three heavy hurts. Okay. Have you ever heard of Joshua Door Furniture Company? I have not. How about Robinson Furniture? Nope. How about Harvey Leach? No. Perfect. I did not expect <laughs> a yes for any of those. So we're going to heard of Ikea. Yeah. (laughs) Love an Ikea. This is actually pre-Ikea. Can you imagine it? Oh, my God. There was (laughs) furniture before Ikea? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back, though. Okay. We're in the early 1970s. Okay. And Harvey Leach. 1970s? 1970s. Okay. Okay. Harvey Leach is a University of Michigan graduate, and he's also a furniture entrepreneur. Okay. Which I read an article. love an entrepreneur. And it made me giggle. Furniture entrepreneur. Yeah. And in February of 1971, he took over a small failing furniture outlet that he had been working at since the mid-60s called Robinson Furniture. Okay. So this was in Taylor, Michigan. So we are going a little south of the city. Okay. 
and at Eureka Road and I-75. Okay. After taking over, he rebranded and changed the name to Joshua Door in 1972. Okay. Joshua Door commercial and radio spots became ingrained into people's heads with their endearing ad jingle call that goes, you've got an uncle in the furniture business. I mean, that's a great jingle. Well, of course I have a video. Okay, okay. You've got an uncle in the furniture business, Joshua Door. <laughs> Joshua Door. You got an uncle in the furniture business. Joshua Door. Joshua Door. He's a remarkable guy with a remarkable way to give you bargains on your furniture every day. To pick it out in the show, to pick it up at the warehouse, take it home in the crate. Yeah. You got an uncle in the furniture business. Joshua Door. Joshua Door. You get brand name his name wasn't Joshua door though it's Christopher Leach no yes correct Who's I'm Joshua Dore? Not, I could not find. So if anybody out there knows, please let me know. Who is this made-up uncle, Joshua Dore? I know, but he's in the furniture business. Apparently. Well, yeah. not anymore. No. I'm guessing. No. Nah, Unless he... You're guessing well. Okay. Uh, so it is interesting. I actually remember Robinson Furniture. Okay. But we'll get to why I remember Robinson Furniture slightly in a little bit, you know, later in the story. Because again... When he took over, it was Robinson Furniture, but he changed it to Joshua Door. And I have no recollection of Joshua Door whatsoever. And I think it lasted for a little bit as Joshua Door, but we'll go through that journey a little bit. When I think of like, I don't know if necessarily local furniture, but like the furniture, like Art stores, Van. Art Van for sure, mm -hmm. Gardner White, and then Lazy Boy. And we had all three of those in Canton. And all of, well, Art Van is gone. Yeah, she gone. And the other two are barely existing, I think, if they are existing. Yeah, there's definitely not a Lazy Boy store anymore. Because there was like a, I remember like very the specifically, there was a Lazy Boy store on Ford Road between Haggerty and whatever's past Haggerty. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it was on the way to Sam's Club. <laughs> yeah, well, furniture, I, it just, I think it's a different, there is Ikea now. And sometimes people order furniture from online now, even. Wayfair, yeah. Yeah, there's tons of, well, and there's tons of options for that, too. There's also um, Article. Oh, I've never heard of that one. Oh, I, the, if they want to sponsor us, cool. Uh, okay. Very, I heard about it on podcasts. <laughs> it is like... It's just, like mid-century modern or something. Oh, yeah. I do love that. Just kind of drawing a connection between like the Detroit stock market and just kind of like... I don't know. I've been like in a weird rabbit hole at YouTube too of just local or regional change that existed and were hot for a minute and then like kind of disappeared. Mm -hmm. But just kind of like the way the world is now, it's... But retail, either like very local or it's like global chains. Retail, There's no in between. No, retail is completely a different market than it has been in a long time. Yeah. Like it, it, it's going to always change and it always had changed. Yeah. But I feel like more drastic changes have definitely happened for yeah. sure. Uh, so we are now at Joshua Door in the early 70s, right? Yeah. And with our good old uncle Joshua Door. Yes. In the furniture business. Yeah. I said this. To my boss, by the way, I said Joshua Door, and she immediately like sang the jingle. 
I think that's going to be the title of this episode is you have an uncle in the furniture business. Perfect. Yeah. So rebranding the name change really paid off. Okay. Everyone loved it. Everyone loved Harvey. And, you know, he was a nice guy. So everybody got along with him and the business is going well. Yeah. That's where we're kind of at now. So March 16th, 1974. So a few years later, 34-year-old Harvey Leach was due to get married to his fiancee, Beverly Adelson. Okay. What a name. Mm-hmm. But the thing about March 16th is that his wedding would never happen. Oh, no. Because about an hour before the ceremony, around <sighs> 2 p.m. at the Congress building, which was an office building on Southfield Road and 13 Mile, he was discovered the right side of his throat slashed, his body battered, hogtied, and in the trunk of his own car, a Lincoln Continental. Damn. Mm-hmm. At this point, though, Beverly, his fiance, had already reported him missing. So it wasn't she wasn't in her dress like waiting. That's uh, good, at least. Yeah, it it takes a little, not much, but right. a little bit of it. Like, off. At least I wasn't like tapping my toe at the altar waiting for this yeah. dead guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, but he hadn't returned home the night before. Yeah. And the day before he had basically like a 945 a.m. meeting uh-huh. scheduled. And that's when she had basically last seen him was okay. leaving for that meeting. And this was at the house of a business associate in the Franklin Village area. So right by Southfield. So was he discovered in the office building or this house? No, he was discovered in his car parked at this office building. And this was about, I think, oh, it was about a 10 minute drive away from the Franklin Village home that he was supposed to be meeting at. Okay. So the person he was actually meeting, his name was Leonard Schultz. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit now. How did Leach get associated with Schultz. Yeah. The two men, they were friends. I think they had possibly met around the Southfield Athletic Club. They did go there for sure. I'm not sure if that's how they met, but yeah, you know, they definitely hung out there. And Schultz had actually lent Leach money in the past for his business while he was, you know, bringing it up. Uh-huh. Eventually Schultz would go on to introduce him to some mob connections. Purple gang? They weren't Just, existing at this point. Okay. Uh, the the remnants of them were, but they were kind of kind of like how kinda, Second City um, Detroit just kind of broke up and came different groups. Well, actually, they kind of merged with the Italian. Uh, I have it later in here, but I can't remember this. Okay, <laughs> but they kind of merged with other groups at the time a little bit because they're you know the Purple Game was like the 30s, 40s, yeah, 50s. I want to say, and then disbanded. I can't recall. I don't think they ever disbanded. It just like things change. Yeah. Yeah. So Leach would eventually go on to. Oh, and Harvey Leach would also eventually go on to hire Schultz as his official labor consultant. Okay. You see, Schultz helped to broker a huge loan between Leach and a member of the Detroit Mafia, as mentioned, mm-hmm. Tony Giacolone. Okay. Leonard Schultz, also known as Leonard Little Lenny Schultz. Okay was a middleman extraordinaire himself and labor union troubleshooter. A little bit about Schultz. He was actually groomed, though, by the Purple Gang uh-huh. during Prohibition and into the 40s, and he had seen the former all-Jewish mob peacefully merge with the traditional Italian LCN La Cosa Nostra. Okay. That's what I was trying to... Or La Casa Nostra. Okay. Uh, and this was by the start of, like, World War II. So, like like I said, there was, like, um, merging that yeah. was happening kind of, like, post-Prohibition. Yeah. And he was in his 20s. When he was in his 20s, Schultz became the driver and bodyguard for Purple Lieutenant Abe, Abe the agent, Susman, before he began working for the Giacolone brothers in the 1950s. 
Okay. So basically he was like a well-seasoned mobster. Okay. Right. So this deal that he was kind of setting up was struck for a loan between Anthony, Tony Jacks, Giacalone in late 1972 in order to open more stores at a faster pace. Okay. So previous to this, profits for Joshua Dorr were on the rise, as mentioned. Yeah. But they wouldn't stay that way after this. Ooh. You see, when Giacalone invested this money, he also started to become more involved with the business. Mm-hmm. And soon after, financial problems began to develop with his bust-out tactics. Yeah. Profits dropped about 44% in just nine months, oh, no. which is a huge drop. Yeah. And needless to say, Giacalone and Harvey Leach began to butt heads a little bit. Yeah. He's watching his business fall apart. Yeah. Later informants would go on to say that Schultz was helping Leach and Giacalone work out an agreement where Leach would outright sell the business to a Giacalone associate. Yeah. But this wasn't going very smoothly as there were disputes over the cost. Yeah. So what happened that day? Well, Leach was due to meet up with Tony Giacalone, Leonard Schultz, and two other Joshua Dorr executives on the morning of March 15th, 1974 at 9.40 a.m. to discuss the buyout price. State records indicate that Giacalone called the other two Joshua Dorr execs that morning, though, and told them to come an hour late to Frank Schultz's house. Okay. Don't come by 10, come by 11. Yeah. Frank Schultz's wife would go on later to say that her husband told her to leave the house that morning and not return until the late afternoon. Okay. We see where this is going. Yeah. When the two Joshua Door executives did arrive at the house around 11, as requested, uh. Giacalone actually arrived even later stating, quote, Harvey won't be making it. Ooh, ominous. While a slight grin flashed on his face. Uh-huh. A knowing grin. Mm-hmm. And like literally every bit of information I read, like talked about this grin. Yeah. So the same two executives would go later on to start state that Harvey Leach, quote, didn't have an enemy in the world. Except for the mob. Except for that. So they were like shocked because this wasn't, I think, anything they'd experienced before. Yeah. There are two other possible reasons, though, that Leach may have been taken care of on that day as well. Okay. I will admit right now, this is a cold case. Uh-huh. There's no final outcome here. Uh, but there are two other possible motives that Giacalone could have had for getting yeah. Leach uh, on alive. Yeah. It's possible that Leach had involvement in helping Giacalone launder money through connections he had in Canada. Okay. Which would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of laundering going on in many businesses. Yeah. In the area um, in the 60s, 70s yeah. and 80s. There was also talk of an alleged romantic affair that was taking place between Leach and the girlfriend of Giacalone's little brother and fellow mafia bigwig Vito Billy Jack Giacalone while Vito was in state prison. Okay. Vito also had gotten out of state prison a few months before this incident. Uh-huh. Two months before, specifically. Uh-huh. Or, in the words of a member of the Detroit Underworld, Anonymous, who is very familiar with this situation, that put things over the edge. At that point, he had no choice. He was the walking dead. So Harvey was stooping someone's wife? The the brother. The brother's girlfriend. So he was... That's... Yeah, no, it's his... Girl. Tony Giacalone may have suspected that Harvey Leach was having an affair 
with the girlfriend of his brother, who is in Vito, prison. yeah, who is in prison. You're really Vito asking for that been released point. Two months before this, yeah, happened. So that's if that's true, he likely. is really asking for it at that point. Yeah. By the way, though, do any of these names sound familiar to you? Vito, Gia Colone in general, and Schultz. Both both Gia Colones actually and Schultz. They they sound familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. Well, they might sound familiar because this is part of the group who is also suspected of the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa. Ah, Jimmy Hoffa. He comes back. Yep. And that happened only a little bit over a year later, July 30th, 1975. Same thing at someone's house. No, it was that was at a restaurant. Oh, okay. That was yeah, at yeah. the Red Marcus or Red yes, Fox. Yes, Marcus. yes, yes. Uh, but same area. Yeah. And so let's let's compare. I do actually have some comparisons okay. written down too. So the perpetrators suspected in both were also friends, associates, and Detroit Mafia elites. Yeah. So Tony G. Colone was the owner of the maroon car that Hoffa was last seen getting into at the Red Fox. Okay. Vito, his brother, had arranged the meeting for Hoffa and Tony Provenzano on the day that Hoffa went missing. Uh-huh. The Red Fox restaurant is about was about five miles northwest of the Southfield Athletic Club, which is only about a 10-minute drive from Schultz's home. So all very the same area. Yeah. Schultz's home, where Harvey was supposed to meet everyone, is the same house that is possibly suspected to be the location where Hoffa was actually offed. From what I recall, there has been blood samples found there, but they've decayed too much over the years, so they yeah. can't actually do anything with them. But remember that one movie that came out? It was like the Something Something House that was about the Hoffa disappearances on Netflix. It's three hours long. Oh, vaguely. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I watched it. It's based off of a book. Okay. That's Schultz's house. Oh, the gotcha. The house being referenced in that. So we're okay. real similar here, right? A yeah. lot of really think weird things here. We're going to go to the aftermath of it. Harvey Leach's funeral attracted about a thousand mourners, and he's buried in Memorial Park South at Macpala. Macpala. Okay. Joshua Dorr went into bankruptcy and eventually was actually bought out by another Giacalone associate who changed the name back to Robinson Furniture. Okay. Which is why no, it's I kind of remember yeah. it a little bit. Eventually in the late 90s, though, the doors closed. But after a dozen years, Robinson Furniture reopened under new management. So completely different people. They just took the name again in Detroit in 2012. So it actually still exists. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. But completely different. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. What a weird name to like, you know what? Let's use this name. It's been associated with the mob, but you know what? Let's use it. Mm -hmm. Well, it technically wasn't, though, because it was, well, well I Duke. guess the associate, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It, it's all, and uh, and some of this is, like, alleged. Yeah. You know what I mean, too? So you have to keep Grain that into, yeah. yeah. As for the cold cases, as we know, the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa never solved. Yeah. Millions of ideas out there of what happened. Yeah. Some of them make more sense than others. If you're interested, go back, because we've done... An episode and a half, kind of, because we did one early on about Jimmy Hoffa, and then there was an update later. Yeah. Because mm -hmm, I kept, I could do another update because. Oh, yeah. It's an easy rabbit hole to go down. Oh, yeah. Uh, still my favorite being that he was sent away to be put into parts for Japanese cars. <laughs> and both cases are unsolved to this day. So yeah. Leech's cases as well. 
The case of Leach, though, was officially closed as of 2014 after four decades in the passing of natural causes of prime suspect Leonard Schultz in 2013 at the age of 96. Okay. There had been hope of a deathbed type confession yeah. at the end. But again, it was natural causes, so there was no you know, dying period necessarily. I don't know specifically. Yeah. None was given. And the case is now filed away in the FBI files in the basement in, in Detroit somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Schultz and both Giacalone brothers, after all was said and done, would actually go on to be called in front of a federal federal grand juries investigating both the leech slaying and the disappearance of Hoffa in the years following. But nothing came of it. Nothing yeah. came of it. Lenny Schultz would go on in February of 1975 to blame a break-in and robbery at his house on local law enforcement, indicating that they were trying to find evidence for the Leach murder, but nothing really happened. Yeah. His last brush with the law would come in the 80s for drug dealing charges. Schultz would go on to later admit to being a confidential informant for the FBI for over three decades. Interesting. Uh-huh. When he was released from prison after the, the drug charges because of his close relationship with the Giacalone brothers, he was actually allowed to retire in Florida with no repercussions. And despite him being an FBI informant, he never admitted to having any knowledge in the leaf leech or Hoffa case. Okay. Which I'm kind of thinking is possibly why he was allowed to just go retire in Florida. Yeah. And they he let didn't him snitch about like the important the big things. things. Yeah. yeah. So Gia Colone, mob boss for almost five decades, he was suspected of a dozen mob-related killings and would pass of natural causes 2001 at the age of 82. Vito, his brother, would go on to die of natural causes at the age of 88 in 2012. So basically, everybody who would know something is gone. Yeah. And weirdly enough, I might have a follow-up on the car. Okay. This may or may not be the car, but... Through the years, it would get lost. Yeah. This can happen. However, it may have popped up in 1990 in Beulah, Michigan. Okay. You see that year a man named Bob Luca purchased a 1960 Lincoln convertible from a farmer in East Jordan, Michigan. Lucas thought the car was more than likely stored in the barn for many years. A little, little bit of rough shape, right? Yeah. After buying it, though, he gave it a closer look when he got home, and he realized that there was actually a small bullet hole in the middle of the windshield. <laughs> He then inspected the inside and found some stains, some dark reddish brown stains. Probably just wine. Mm -hmm. They were on the seats and in the floorboard. Oh, no. So he reupholstered the vehicle, kept working on the rest of it. Yeah. Three decades would pass. So we were in the 2020s. And he never shook the feeling, though, that the car possibly had a gruesome past. Yeah. And then he kind of realized that, oh, that could be evidence because he did you know, usually right. something like that would ha had happened. You would get that story when you're buying. You know what I mean? Right. Like that would be disclosed. So he contacted the lo his local sheriff and the FBI, and they planned to come and do a DNA inspection, but they didn't come. Mm -hmm. A few years went by. So recently he was contacted by Ross Richardson, who is an author and investigator of Unsolved Mysteries in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And they began to piece together some theories. So Richardson took the VIN number. And he tried to follow it back, but they couldn't really find yeah. the, you know, who owned it. And then he contacted local authorities again and historians, but they couldn't piece together any missing people. And again, they're looking kind of, I think, more in the area they were in, Beulah, 
he and Lucas still believe there's DNA in the car and in the cushion specifically, even though it's been reupholstered. Yeah. And eventually they thought it might be connected to Jimmy Hoffa, but also that car is well known. Like the maroon yeah. car, it's like it's always maroon, and this one wasn't maroon. Yeah. But Lucas wrote to James Hoffa, Jimmy's son, but never heard back. This is when Harvey Leach was added to the list of possible owners. This mystery remains open to this day, but it is just interesting. I came across this in my research and I was like, what would you do? And they're calling it like the murder car. Like, what would you do if you accidentally bought a murder car? Ooh, I don't know. Right? Yeah. I Probably like some sleuthing. I yeah, well, like what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. But this one actually kind of, as they say in the biz, uh, I like this for Harvey Leach's car. Like it, it kind I don't know enough details to like yeah. have an actual opinion of it, but it is an interesting idea. Uh, Cause I don't know what happens to cars. I mean, obviously that one would have been investigated and things of that nature, but also 1970 uh, investigations are different than investigations right. now. So that car could have ended up getting, I don't know, resold or, you know, yeah. just like lost in the shuffle basically. Yeah. So there is some, some interesting there and it seems like it was the right make and model, I believe from like the things I saw. So yeah, who knows? So that car might, be around still. Interesting. Yeah, but that is not the disappearance, but the unfortunate uh, unaliving of Harvey Leach, owner of Joshua Door, uncle in the furniture business. Well, we had an uncle in the furniture business. Yeah. Yeah, we sure did. Rip. Uh, real quick, my sources. Downriverthings.com. Several articles from gangsterreport.com by Scott Bernstein. Uh, WZZM13.com. And that is it. Nice. It was such a misdirect starting with furniture and then mm -hmm. getting into murder. So, yeah. Yeah. Very enjoyable story. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard of it. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I'm not surprised by it. Unfortunately, you know, it's a bummer. People seem to like him. I couldn't find more information about him specifically. Yeah. I would be interested to, you know, learn more about him or his fiance as well. Yeah. But don't, don't do business. The mafia. Yeah. If you can avoid it. Yeah. If you can avoid it, yeah. I'd recommend that. I will leave it with that. Yeah. Well, great story. I have a two truths and lie for you. Oh, good. I'm excited. This one does come from mental floss, as they usually do. I miss a mental floss. Why haven't we done that in a while? I miss it. Well, this came from a listicle about old-timey words for tricks. Like, just because, like, spooky season's coming around, like, okay. trick-or-treat oh, kind, kind of tricks. tricks. Okay. Like, tricks, pranks, japes, if you're real old English. Okay. Uh, that doesn't sound right. I don't like that last jape? one. Yeah. yeah. I don't like it. I don't, I don't like why. it either. No, it's like... It was in the crossword the other day of the New York oh. Times of like Jape. They also use it a lot in um, Catherine the Great or the Great. I love the Great. Yeah. Surely you're Japing. Are you Jape? Are you just? They talk so fast in that show. I'm sure it was just like, I don't know what I just heard. I mean, like it's really, it's a really well scripted show, but. Oh yeah. So I've got three old timey words. Okay. I'm here for them. And one of them does not mean trick. Okay. Bonus balonus, bum fuzzle, and petty foggery. 
I could say them again. I got one. Okay. Pettifoggery. Pettifoggery is true. It comes from the term pettifogger, which means a sketchy novice lawyer who tries to be a know-it-all. Or the other two? Bonus Balonus and Bum Fuzzle. Bonus Balonus. That one is true as okay. well. <laughs> it's just an older version of Phony Baloney. Oh, okay. They're just like... I think that's why I chose it, because I was thinking Phony Baloney. Yeah. That's exactly why I picked it, because I'm like, Phonus Balonus. Uh-huh. So Bum Fuzzle was the lie, and it means to be confused. That tracks, actually. That's a good word for confusion. Yeah. And it worked in this case. Yeah. I was confused, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> By bumfuzzle. Just some other honorable mentions from the yeah, article. Please. Chicanery. I feel like I've heard that. Probably. Okay. Uh, Dido. Like the singer? Yep. Okay. Capriccio. Capriccio. Cantrip, which you probably know from D&D, which is why I didn't pick it. Yes. Oh, It's yeah, like yeah. witch. Yeah. Something to do with witches. It's a, it's a witch small skill. spell. Yeah. It's basically like, um, which makes sense. It's yeah. kind of like a trick. Like yeah. A, yeah. Gum game. Whoa. <laughs> Marlock. Rainy oh. Gazoo. Which I've actually heard Rainy Gazoo before. Okay. And then Skullduggery. Oh, that one's dark. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Just, just in time for the spooky season. I know. I was like, look at all these fun words. <laughs> These fun nonsense words, this bonus balonus, if you will. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's a fun one. Thank you. Right? It's a little something. Yeah. Yeah. I think that wraps us though, like a treat, not a trick. Oh, yeah. See what I did? Or a piece of furniture that your wrapped uncle in a crate. gave you. No, yeah. they, <laughs> I don't know why I just turned your it uncle, down. your uncle from the furniture business gave you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you want to find us on our social media at Detroit Strange on Instagram, Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, our email mm -hmm. address, DetroitStrange at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, uh, we've got Patreon. Just look up Detroit Strange. We've also got our Threadless merch shop. Uh, you can give us a five-star review anywhere you can review. That really helps us and it makes our day. Yeah. But I think. Until next time. Stay, stay Strange. strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Sax and Violence.